I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Graham Abbott. Welcome to Classics Unlocked, brought to you by Universal Music and Classics Direct. It's great that you could join me. You know, I wouldn't mind betting that if you stopped a random person in the street and asked them to name three pieces of classical music, the chances are that at least one of their choices would be a work by Tchaikovsky. Most people in Western culture seem to have heard of Bach, Mozart or Beethoven, but when it comes to naming a piece of classical music, it's more likely that titles like Swan Lake, Nutcracker or 1812 would pop up. Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky had the knack of writing superbly memorable tunes. He wasn't alone in that, of course, but coupled with his powerful orchestration and innate sense of musical drama, Tchaikovsky's tunes have been mined and plundered across all sorts of media for more than a century. When he died in 1893, at the age of only 53, he was already internationally famous, even to the uninitiated, who were often drawn to his music by virtue of its wonderful tunes.
But for every well-known piece Tchaikovsky wrote, there are a dozen or more which almost never see the light of day, even for connoisseurs. In this program, we're going to cast our eyes and ears over his music for solo piano, aided by a recent Decca release featuring the Ukraine-born pianist Valentina Lisica. This is a mammoth undertaking, a 10-CD set, covering all the composer's solo piano music. Tchaikovsky's best-known music is orchestral, ballets, symphonies, concertos and descriptive overtures. Of his dozen or so operas, only a couple are heard regularly outside Russia. While his smaller-scale music, such as the chamber music, songs and solo piano works, are in the spotlight much less often. Yet, as the idea of a 10-CD set might indicate, Tchaikovsky wrote quite a bit of music for the piano. His first published work, his official Opus 1, was a piano work. It appeared in print in 1867, the year he turned 27. Earlier piano works by him are known, unpublished works dating back to his mid-teens. But the pair of pieces which appeared in Opus 1 are confident and well-written, if not terribly original. Called Scherzo à la Russe and Impromptu, they're certainly technically demanding. This is part of the Scherzo. Another early piano work was published as Tchaikovsky's Opus 4 the following year. Its title, Vals Caprice, suggests something light and small scale, but at more than 13 minutes in the Lisitsa recording, it's immediately apparent that this is a major work. There's far more freedom and individuality in this, even if the wistful treatment of the waltz melody does at first suggest the strong shadow of Chopin hanging over this score.
Tchaikovsky was a late starter when it came to formal musical training. He was raised in a music-loving household, but his real musical education can't be said to have started until he entered a theory class in St. Petersburg in 1861, when he was 21 and employed as a public servant in the Ministry of Justice. He also studied piano and composition. He matured incredibly fast, though, something evident in the fact that he wrote these pieces and many others only six or seven years later. By that time, though, he was living in Moscow and on the staff of the new Moscow Conservatory. This position in Russian society, in both its musical circles and its social circles more generally, no doubt made it possible for him to advance and develop as a musician. In Tchaikovsky's orchestral music, we see him tackling the big, formal structures inherited from the classical age, the age of Mozart and Beethoven, among others. He wrote symphonies, concertos and operas, major undertakings and major public expressions of a composer's voice. But by the mid-19th century, the big formal statements, in instrumental music especially, had largely given way to freer, often smaller, musical forms. Writing piano music, for example, no longer meant being largely restricted to composing full-scale sonatas or sets of variations, as had been the case with Mozart, Haydn and Beethoven. These composers had written smaller, freer pieces, such as Mozart's Fantasias or Beethoven's Bagatelles, but they were peripheral to their main work. In the later 19th century, all this changed. The Romantic era permitted more personal statements of artistic vision, hence the predominance of waltzes, scherzos, etudes, mazurkas, polonaises and nocturnes in the music of Chopin, for example. He wrote three magnificent sonatas, it's true, but they're a small part of his enormous output. Tchaikovsky clearly knew the work of Chopin and many of his other illustrious predecessors. There are echoes of Schubert and Mendelssohn in some of these early works, as well as Chopin. But while his focus was often on the music of Western Europe, much to the disgust of some of his contemporaries, he also developed, over time, a more Russian voice in his music as well. Whereas Schubert wrote musical moments and impromptus, and Mendelssohn songs without words, Tchaikovsky favoured the term morceau for his collections of short piano pieces. This French word simply means peace, and his first collection of morceaux, a set of three, appeared as his Opus 9 in 1871. Three further sets of morceaux appeared over the next two years, a set of two and two sets of six. Within all these sets, the individual pieces are generally short, just a few minutes long, and often have descriptive titles, such as Evening Reverie in the Opus 19 set. The Six Morceaux, Opus 21, are interesting in that all six pieces are based on a single theme. The theme in question is used rather like a tone row in later serial music. The pitches of the notes are identifiable, but the rhythm is changed to suit the mood of the piece. Here's just a snapshot of what he does with the theme across the six pieces of Opus 21. The first piece is titled Prelude, and the theme is clearly audible in the melody right at the start.
The second piece is a four-part fugue, a very unusual form to find in Russian music or any music in 1873. And the fugue subject is the theme we just heard, but with a different rhythm. piece is an impromptu, perhaps a reference to Schubert, the mood of which is turbulent and unsettled, the direct antithesis of both the preceding pieces. The common tune is transposed and hidden in the figurations of the right hand. Then, as a complete contrast, the fourth piece in Tchaikovsky's Opus 21 is a funeral march, immediately suggesting Chopin. It has the common theme as its initial melody, but coloured with much more sombre harmonies. You'd be forgiven for not recognising it. For the fifth piece, Tchaikovsky overtly invokes the spirit of Chopin in a mazurka. The common theme is clearly heard at the start, but again, the rhythm has been altered to fit the style of this Polish dance.
And finally, for the sixth and final piece of Opus 21, we have a scherzo, another form given great importance by Chopin. But here the inspiration seems to be more Germanic, Mendelssohn perhaps, or even Schumann. The common theme is in the top notes of the opening bars. The six pieces of Opus 21 were written right before Tchaikovsky created one of his earliest masterpieces, the first piano concerto. Work on the first version of the concerto, it was revised a number of times, was completed in 1875, and the premiere took place in the United States later the same year. In August of that same year, he started work on his first great ballet, Swan Lake and concurrently with this he worked on a very different commission, which developed into one of his best-known solo piano works, The Seasons. Nikolai Matveyevich Bernard was the editor of Nouvelist, a music journal published in St. Petersburg. He had already published four of Tchaikovsky's songs in the journal, but in late 1875 he commissioned 12 short piano works from the composer which would be published in the magazine each month throughout 1876. Bernard provided short epigraphs or subtitles for each month to give Tchaikovsky a concrete subject for each piece, and the 12 pieces were duly printed each month, starting in January 1876. The composer was more than happy to follow Bernard's suggestions, and while the twelve pieces, now collectively known as the Seasons, don't plumb great emotional depth, they were designed for domestic use by the journal's readers after all, they are charming and beautiful. The two best-known pieces in the set are those for June and November. June, high summer in Russia, is a barcarolle. While this term is often used to suggest the gondolas of Venice, here its use is more general. Tchaikovsky paints a lazy boating excursion on a warm summer's day, avoiding the usual lilting 6-8 time of the Barcarolle, think of Offenbach's famous example, in favour of a more genteel 4-4.
On the other side of the emotional spectrum is November, for which Tchaikovsky seems to have enjoyed following Bernard's suggestion that he write a troika. The troika, a carriage on sleds led by three horses, invokes the bells and thrills of a sleigh ride in the snow. But unusually, this particular troika ride starts at a rather leisurely pace. The speed picks up in the middle section, after which the conclusion combines the mood of the middle section and the melody from the opening. Virtually all of Tchaikovsky's solo piano music was published with titles in French as well as Russian. His next solo piano work, Album pour enfants, is usually known in English as Album for the Young, or sometimes more simply, Children's Album. It dates from 1878, a wonderful time in Tchaikovsky's creative life. He'd just written the opera Yevgeny Onyegin and the Fourth Symphony, but a tense time in his personal life, 
he was recovering from his ill-advised marriage the previous year. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. At times of crisis, Tchaikovsky had methods of dealing with distractions and disappointments. In his orchestral music, for example, he created his wonderful orchestral suites and occasional pieces like Capriccio Italien and 1812 in the aftermath of the Fourth Symphony, works which required less intellectual rigour and gave more emotional freedom than the demanding symphonic form. In his piano music, he took encouragement from the music of Schumann, in particular his children's pieces called Kinderszenen, or Scenes from Childhood. In the summer of 1878, Tchaikovsky wrote his own set of 24 short pieces designed for children to play, absolutely delightful miniatures which clearly brought him great delight in their creation. He acknowledged the inspiration of Schumann's pieces, written 40 years before, on more than one occasion, and Tchaikovsky's set is a worthy addition to children's music written by great creative masters. Here's a sequence of four pieces from Tchaikovsky's children's album, Italian song, Old French song, German song, and Neapolitan song. Thank you. 
The years following the children's album saw Tchaikovsky at the height of his creative powers. These were the years of the Fifth and Sixth Symphonies, the Second Piano Concerto, and his greatest stage works, the opera The Queen of Spades and the ballets Sleeping Beauty and Nutcracker. His published piano works included three more sets of Morceaux, totaling 36 separate pieces, of which more in a moment. But in 1878, he composed a large-scale formal work for the piano, his only mature piano sonata. When he was 25 and while he was still a student, Tchaikovsky did compose a piano sonata in C-sharp minor, but it wasn't published in his lifetime. Seven years after his death, it was published in a version edited by the composer's younger colleague, Sergei Taneyev. It's now known as Tchaikovsky's Opus 80, but it actually predates his Opus 1. The sonata of 1878, though, is another matter. Written around the same time as the Violin Concerto, the Grand Sonata was premiered by Nikolai Rubinstein in a performance which left the composer spellbound. The sonata was performed with such unattainable perfection that I could not have stayed to listen to anything more, so I left the hall completely enraptured. Critical response to the sonata at the time was overwhelmingly positive, but in more recent times, Tchaikovsky's G major sonata has struggled to maintain a place in the regular repertoire. It's a huge work in four movements, symphonic in scope and lasting more than half an hour. It's also ferociously difficult, as the breathless finale clearly demonstrates.
In the final year of his life, Tchaikovsky published what turned out to be his final completed piano work, a set of 18 morceaux, his Opus 72. Composed around the time of his 53rd birthday, Tchaikovsky had no reason to suspect he wouldn't live to see the end of the year. He was an internationally respected composer and conductor whose works were known all over Europe and the United States. At the same time as writing the Opus 72 Morceau, he was at work on his final symphony, which would be premiered in the October of that year, only days before his untimely death. The 18 Morceau are no trifles. They total well over an hour of challenging, enchanting music, with titles that include Tender Reproaches, Waltz Bluet, The Mischievous One, and A Waltz in 5-8 Time. Perhaps in tribute to two composers whose work at times inspired him, Tchaikovsky invokes the names of Chopin and Schumann in his Opus 72 as well. This is the ninth piece, Un Poco di Schumann. It's fascinating to be able to explore an entire part of a composer's output, as we can with the piano music of Tchaikovsky in the newly released set on Decca, featuring pianist Valentina Lisitsa.
In addition to all the composer's published works for piano, there are many other works which receive their premiere recordings in this set, including a large number of unpublished pieces, some of them very substantial, and the composer's own piano arrangements of orchestral works, such as the Marsh Slav, the 1812 Overture, and even the complete Nutcracker Ballet. My thanks to Tom Ford and Jakub Garoshinsky for the technical production of Classics Unlocked. My name's Graham Abbott, and I look forward to joining you again for more musical explorations very soon. We'll finish with Tchaikovsky's mazurka-flavoured homage to Chopin in his Opus 72 pieces. Happy listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.